When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, before we get started, I got a bit of a quarterback problem I need to run by you. I really find it hard to dislike this Joe Burrow guy, but I need to learn because he's going to be a real thorn in the Steelers' side for a long time. So I need to come to the altar of somebody who has no problem, you know, throwing some shade on other people. How do I dislike this Joe Burrow guy? He's just too damn cool, Labs. Yeah, I know. And he's um, he's my wife's favorite NFL player now, I think, too. He's so um, likable. Well, and and he's he's re- he's really good. You <laughs> yeah. know, not that that's any you know um, newsflash. And uh, but see, the thing with you know Joe Burrow, if you could ask me to describe him, I mean, he is a problem and going to be a long term problem for the Steelers uh, because Joe Burrow is kind of, you know, and hey, and I, I'm in Pittsburgh and they're in Cincinnati, and so I'm kind of uh, drawing this conclusion or forming this opinion, you know, from far away. Right. Joe Burrow is like Joe Green. He's changed the culture in the, within the Bengals. Um, you know, they are not the Bungles anymore. They're not. And, you know, the way he... Um, his presence, uh, his, you know, that line about when they asked about his championship window and he said, it's my <laughs> career. And I mean, it, he's right. Or the neutral site and, thing. And he goes, they better start oh, sending those refunds in. Like he's just yeah, smooth, I mean, man. He, yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be a problem, uh, for, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I, this may be blasphemy. Um, but if you you gave me a pick of any quarterback, I'd take him. I'd take him over Mahomes. Yeah. Well, he's three and zero against uh-huh. Mahomes, going for four and zero now. So, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, well, I came here for help trying to dislike the guy, and I think I like him even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can like him a whole lot until you know t- two Sundays a year. Yes. I mean. That's that's kind of the way I'm looking at it because as long as you know, you know what they say. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. As long as he keeps sticking it to the Ravens, too, he's my man. 
All right, we got a ton of questions to get to today, and let's start with Jerry Mandering from Scalp Level, Pennsylvania, who asks, if a quarterback rolls out on an option play and decides to keep the ball and run it himself, would a sack be awarded if the quarterback is tackled behind the line of scrimmage? You know, these kinds of situations, uh, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to become more and more prevalent now with, with the explosion of, you know, dual threat quarterbacks in the NFL. But, um, you know, these these situations generally are judged by the on-site stats crew. Um, and the, the um, and that, that crew usually makes a determination as to whether the play called was going to be an attempted pass or a designed run. And, you know, if it was a designed uh, they decided it was a designed run, um, then it's a, you know, it's a tackle for loss. If it's, they decided it was a pass, then it's a sack. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's really kind of a play it by the seat of your pants kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of re and this is one of the reasons why that uh, teams can appeal these decisions to the Elias Sports Bureau. Now, for fans who may not be familiar with Elias Sports Bureau, that's the um, that's the company that's the longtime official statistician for Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the WNBA, Major League Soccer, the NBA G League, and the PGA Championship. So, you know, they you can submit a um, what do you call it? A, a, I guess you could petition. Uh, it's for example, like what the Ravens did to TJ Watt yes. in 2021 on that. Well, was it a sack or not? Or was it an aborted play? It was a sack, but let's uh, go on. <laughs> well, but I mean, I'm sure that went to Elias. Yeah. I, you know, and they ruled whatever they ruled um, in favor of what the Ravens, you know, decided or, you know, whatever. And then that's it in terms of the NFL. So, um, you know, there are situations where, uh, like even the award of a sack, um, you know, is it a split sack between two guys or did one guy get there first? Or, you know, if there's three guys involved in a sack, you know, right. they, they don't split it up three ways. So Elias is the um, tiebreaker in a lot of these situations where the arbiter uh, in these situations. And, um, you know, whatever they decide, that's in terms of the NFL, then that's that's the law. Wow, I didn't I didn't know that. See, you learn every something new every day here on Asked and Answered. Elias is technically like the Supreme Court when it comes to stats in the NFL. You can yes. appeal to them, but their decision's final. Right. Their decision is final, yes. Eric Ash from Wellsville, New York. When there is an opening on the roster or practice squad, the spot is filled immediately. I assume the Steelers have a ranked list of free agents and other teams' practice squad players for each position. Is that correct? If so, who maintains the list? Do the players know they are on the list? Um, every team has their personnel department. I know in Pittsburgh it's referred to as the ready list. And you have a ready list, um, you know, players at different positions uh, who are available or who can be available uh, in, in the event of an emergency. You know, for example, um, we know that this has happened, um, you know, multiple times in the recent past, place kickers. You know, Boswell gets hurt or the, the situation with Sean Sweezum when he got hurt and you're looking for a kicker. Um, you know, your personnel department, uh, like, for example, when Kevin Colbert was the GM, 
you know, his people had a ready list and they break it down by position. And so then you start um, going through the list and talking to people. Maybe there's, uh, excuse me, people on your staff who have coached him or worked with him or something in another team and all those kinds of things. And so, yes, that's how those, you know, openings get filled. Now, you know, the list is maintained by the personnel department and no, you don't, you don't tell (laughs) players that they're on the list. I mean, do you tell players where they're ranked on your draft board? I mean, (laughs) do you think, do you, how long do you think that that would be kept confidential? So, you know, that's proprietary work product. And so, no, the players don't know until they get the phone call from, um, you know, the GM or whoever it might be, um, you know, we're interested in you uh, or, you know, are you available? You know, that kind of thing. Burton Harris from Greensburg, Pennsylvania asks, how does the NFL decide what the salary cap will be for each team? Is there a process that determines that? Yeah, there's a process, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, it, it's going to bore your ears <laughs> off. Um, it is, you know, this is something that is, um, you know, for uh, accountants and lawyers and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Way I above mean, our heads then. Well, and it's, and as I said, it's boring. <laughs> it's um, the way the cap is determined every year. I mean, there is uh, a pool of money uh that can be referred to as designated gross revenue. Okay. And so then there's, um, auditors from both the league and the union who will, you know, scour the books and, you know, come up with the, the total designated gross revenue for a particular year. You know, that's include like, uh, broadcast sharing revenue, um, ticket sales, you know, all of that stuff is pooled now. So, okay, so you come to that big number, whatever that number is. And then according to the collective bargaining agreement, there is a way that that is split, a percentage. It's close to 50-50. So just for the purpose of this conversation, let's let's say that it's 50-50. And so they divide it up, you know, and the auditors for both uh, the league and the union agree and then you divide it by 32, and then that's the salary cap per team. And that's why they, you know, they do it every year. And so I'm sure that's going on now. Or maybe it's, you know, a good bit of it is done. I don't know, you know, who knows. Right. But, you know, they'll announce what the cap is, um, you know, sometime before the start of the new league year, which in 2023 is March 15th. You're right. That sounds incredibly boring and a job that I would never want to do in a million years. Right. And, you know, it it was boring me just talking about it. (laughs) Dan Malloy from Athens, Alabama asks, Roquan Smith was a big addition to an already strong Ravens defense. Did the Steelers make an effort to sign him when he became available? And if not, why not? Okay, well, um, at the time, Roquan Smith was under contract to the Chicago Bears at the start of the 2022 season. So the Ravens had to acquire him via trade. He did not Smith did not technically become available on the open right. market. You know, it was a, it was who the, the Bears chose to do business with. Okay. So the way it ended up was the Ravens initially traded second and fifth round picks in the 2023 NFL draft to the Bears for Smith 
And part of the reason he was available in a trade was because, you know, he and the Bears were unable to come to an extension on his uh, rookie contract. And that contract was due to expire at the end of the 2022 season, which meant he could have become an unrestricted free agent this March, March 20, March 15th, 2023. Now, okay, I'm just going to go back to the time of the trade, which is was which which was at the trading deadline or right around it. Um, you know, a number two and a number five pick, which is what the Ravens gave for Roquan Smith at the time. Now, that's a pretty high price for a guy who you're only going to have for a couple of months, for sure. Because, you know, the Bears supposedly had been, you know, dangling some pretty big money out there, and Smith wasn't interested in that. He wanted more. Right. Which is his right. You know, whatever. He's a good player. He can, you know, kind of um, hold him up, so to speak. And uh, so, okay, but if you're if you're the team trading for him, you're getting him for a couple of months, for sure. That's all you know for sure. So it's kind of like a short-term rental. And a two and a five, you know, those are pretty real picks. Um, so anyway, but all that became moot because the Ravens signed Smith uh, to a five-year, $100 million contract after the Ravens were eliminated from the playoffs by Cincinnati. So that contract, just for, you know, fans who like to, um, I don't know, Keep track of these kind of things. $22.5 million signing bonus. Wow. $60 million in total guaranteed money. An average annual salary of $20 million. This guy's an inside linebacker. You know, he's not a quarterback. Right. So, um, so anyway, uh, 2023 Smith, uh, for this coming year, the way the contract is structured, uh, he, he will get $4.5 million base salary, but the signing bonus of $22.5 million um, is, you know, a nice mitigating thing. So he'll make $27 million his first year, uh, with full year with the Ravens. Um, he'll only he'll only count $9 million on their cap, but, you know, that number will go up considerably as, as the contract, you know, progresses. Uh, and just as a side note, because the way that uh, Dan Malloy uh, – uh, worded his question, did the Steelers make an effort to sign him, and if not, why not? Um, the Bears were not interested in getting anything for Smith in a trade except multiple draft picks. You know, and the Steelers, at the time, didn't have a lot of draft picks, and a two, you know, is a pretty high pick plus another pick. So that was just a little bit rich for the Steelers' blood. And just so I'm clear here... Uh, a Chase Claypool for Smith trade was never going to happen. The Bears were not going to do that, even though they traded Smith and then they traded for Claypool. That doesn't mean they were going to do the trade the way Steelers fans would have liked them to do the trade. You know, it's it's weird how teams don't cooperate like that. Yeah, sometimes. I know. You think that there'd be alliances, right? Like this team would help that team to screw over this team. It just it just doesn't happen, though. Right. As I said <laughs> about Burrow, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Daniel Pardue from Stockholm, Sweden asks, how common is it for the Steelers not to give a draft pick a spot on the season's initial 53-man roster? Um, let, let, let me uh, approach this from the other way. It's very, very rare 
for every player in a in a particular draft class to make the 53-man roster as a rookie. Um, you know, two recent examples of, of draft picks who did not make the initial 53-man roster, uh, Chris Oladokun, the quarterback uh, from South Dakota State, who was the seventh-round pick in 2022, didn't make it the previous year. Quincy Roche, an outside, well, he was a down uh, lineman in college, but he was uh, transitioning to outside linebacker in the NFL. He was a sixth-round pick in 2021 from Miami. Um, He didn't make the 53-man roster as a rookie either. So, you know, there's examples of this every year. It's, It's really not unusual at all. Jim Zolkowski from Fredericksburg, Virginia, asks, I remember a pre-Noll era Steelers draft, I believe that Buddy Parker was the coach, where the first-round pick was a fullback from West Virginia who blocked for running back Garrett Ford. His name was Dick Leftridge, and he was cut before the season started. Do you know why he was cut? Okay, Jim, some of your uh, memory is accurate and some is not. Um, uh, In 1966, when Dick Leftridge was the number one pick, the uh, coach, in fact, was Bill Austin. Okay, Um, And Leftridge was the number one pick third overall on this guy. As a fullback. Six... (laughs) Six well at the time though. That's what I mean. You know, different in era. Fairness, <laughs> right, different era, and fullbacks were the primary, you know, ball carriers. You know, Jim Brown was a fullback. Franco Harris was a fullback. Um, that's um, that's how it was done then. So anyway, Leftrich, six foot two, two hundred forty pounds from West Virginia. Uh, he played now. He played at the same time as Garrett Ford Senior. Uh, was becoming the first West Virginia player to top 2,000 rushing yards in a career. So, but how much blocking he did for Ford, I I, I don't know. Um, but Leftridge was he made the Steelers roster in 1966. He was number 31. He appeared in four games for the Steelers as a rookie, <laughs> and he finished his stellar Steelers career with eight carries for 17 yards and two touchdowns. And then the next year, he was out of the league. Ken Malden. Third, third overall pick. 17 total yards. Eight carries. (laughs) Yes. Not much value from that pick there. No, not not very much. Ken Malden writes us from Clyde, Texas, and asks, We have seen dramatic improvement in our offensive line at all five spots over the course of the 2022 season. And so hopefully we can just select the best offensive lineman available regardless of where he plays whenever the Steelers decide to do that. That is if all the starters come back. And so and so, can you tell me which offensive line starters are signed through the next year? Um, all Just referring to the starters, all of them are signed through 2023 at least. Um, so we'll do it from left to right. Dan Moore Jr. signed through 2024. Kevin Dotson signed through 2023. Mason Cole signed through 2024. James Daniels signed through 2024. Chooks Okorafor signed through 2024. So, you know, there may not be no uh, immediate need to draft a starting caliber offensive lineman in this particular draft because you have five start five returning starters now i'm not saying that you can't upgrade but i'm just trying to 
go along with the spirit of the question here. Right. Um, but it's not like, you know, these guys are under long-term contracts uh, or, you know, that they're multiple-time Pro Bowl selections either. Dan Rowley from Marshalltown, Iowa. Can you give any insight as to why Franco Harris was selected on draft day instead of Penn State's feature back, Lydell Mitchell? Um, okay, it's kind of a – it's because of a general um, philosophy, belief that has been part of the NFL for decades. And uh, George Young, he's a Hall of Fame general manager, the guy largely credited with building the uh, New York Giants um, – football team, the Lawrence Taylor, that group that um, put Bill Parcells on the map. Yeah. Um, and George Young always said, a good big man is better than a good little man every day. Um, and George Young also, when referring to why, uh, you, when you went in a, in a particular draft, a lot of the high first-round picks are offensive linemen, defensive linemen, uh, why is that, George? And George said, well, it's it's the planet theory. And George Young's <laughs> explanation of the planet theory is that there's only so many guys on the planet who were 6'5", 300 pounds, and athletic <laughs> enough to play in the National Football League. Okay, so going back to the Franco Lydell thing, Lydell Mitchell was 5'11", 204. Franco Harris was 6'2", 230. Um, size matters. It's a pretty good theory there from George Young, and one that definitely the applied. Theory. Yeah, and one that definitely applied yeah. in the Franco Harris situation. <laughs> yeah. Our final question today comes from Reggie Hess from Chesterton, Indiana. I have watched the immaculate reception play quite a few times. Do you think there was interference on that play? And if not, do you think they would call it today? Oh my God! Can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> that? Well, the Raiders I mean, think there was a penalty and it wasn't called because the refs didn't want to get out of the stadium, you know, with a bunch of mob people in their face. So some people subscribe to that theory, Reggie. Well, that wouldn't have been a penalty. That would have been just the rule and right. the pass legal would have touching. been ruled incomplete. Right, illegal touching. Um, but, you know, I, the thing that I, I don't know that um, I, I don't know how to answer. Do I think that there was pass interference? <laughs> um you know, the thing that I'm most thankful about is that there was no instant replay reviewed yeah. then. I mean, can you imagine that? You know, Fred Swearingen was the referee that day. He'd still be standing. They would have blown up <laughs> Three River Stadium all around him, but he'd still be standing <laughs> on a spot looking in a monitor while somebody from New York City, uh, the league offices in a dark room, is talking into his ear, telling him what he should be calling. Um, and I'd still be trying to figure out what, <laughs> what, what he saw. Um, you know, so I, I don't know what it was. As I said, I'm just glad that there was no replay then. And I wish that there was no replay now, but I understand <laughs> that I'm an old man and, uh, get off my lawn too, Tom, will you please, uh, while we're, now that we're done doing this. Absolutely. I'll never sit in your lawn labs. I know better. He's Bob Labriola. I'm Tom Offerman. As always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Get your questions in now to Labs, and you'll hear them on uh, a future edition of this podcast. Enjoy the conference championship weekend ahead, and we'll talk to you next week on Asked and Answered.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.